Good morning. Uh, if you were not here at the start, or if um, you don't know who I am, my name's Johnny. I lead the team here in, uh, in Bogner, and uh, it's so good to have you with us this morning. If you're new, you are particularly welcome. Um, do fill in a connections card like Kim said. We'd love to get to know you, love to know who you are, love to know who's been here. And uh, I've got a question before we start, and it is this, which favourite song? What's your favourite song? It might be because of the emotions that it, it brings up in you. It might be because of the lyrics. Possibly you're like, oh, I really like that, that lyric. It's just so beautiful. And uh, it might be a sentimental song, like the Beatles. The Beatles, yesterday. Yesterday, all my troubles seemed so far away. Now it looks as though they're here to stay. Oh, I believe in yesterday. It might be something sad. There might be, it might be a sad song. You, you might be a Diana fan, and it might be Candle in the Wind. It seemed to me you lived your life like a candle in the wind, never knowing who to cling to when the rain set in. A bit sad. It might be a romantic song. It might be uh, so our wedding song, often... It does something to me. Um, but uh, we had Bruno Mars, just the way you are at the wedding. And uh, it was our first dance. It was a cringy moment. Um, but the lyrics are, when I see your face, there's not a thing that I would change. Because, girl, you're amazing just the way you are. Isn't that nice? Totally not about the guy. You notice that? Not even a mention of the bloke, it's all about the woman. Anyway, it might be a weird song. Your favourite song, your favourite song lyric might be a weird song. I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. Life is plastic, it's fantastic. Weird, weird song. Uh, whatever it is. But if you think about it, it is amazing how singing and how song, just like this morning when we were singing, it does something to us. It, it teaches us something. It, it encourages us in some sort of way. Singing and song are incredible gifts that God has poured onto his people. And you know what? In the Bible, there is more than 50 commands. 50 commands. People are, are, are obsessed when they talk about Christianity. They say, oh, it's all about the rules. It's all about the Ten Commandments. And it's like, no, no, no. There are more commands here 50 commands to sing. There's 50 commands in the Bible for us as Christians to sing. So why is that? Have you ever asked yourself, why do we sing? Why do we sing on a Sunday? Why singing? Because singing is about what God wants to teach us, what God wants to do in our lives. It's about deepening our joy in him. That is the purpose of us singing on a Sunday. That's the purpose of why God created music and song for us to deepen our joy in God. And if you're like, right, hear this. In 2023, this is what studies have shown about singing, corporate singing. So like we did this morning, it'll make you better. There you go. Because it strengthens your immune system. There you go. Interesting fun fact. Group singing is a natural antidepressant as well. So doctors have begun to recommend community choirs as a natural antidepressant for people. So biologically, when we're singing, 
what's happening is um, as you sing, endorphins and oxytocin is released into your body. So the chemical is released into your body and that lowers um, the stress levels because your cortisol, which is like the, the chemical in your body, I think it's a chemical, I'm assuming it's a chemical, um, that, that uh, increases stress in your life. And actually that's dampened when, when, you, when we are singing. And, and you, maybe you're like, you're here and you're going, nah, no nah, thanks. No, no, no. You have not heard me sing. Like X Factor contestants in that little room. My mum said I'm the best singer in the world. And then they're like, the worst. Truly terrible. And you're like, that's me. That's, that's what I sound like. And now I, I knew that people like you would be in the room. Uh, and so, according to a study, another study, um, uh, singing can produce satisfying and therapeutic sensations, even when the sound produced is of mediocre quality. So there you go. That's why God says make a joyful noise. He doesn't say make a good noise. He says make a joyful noise. And if you're like, oh no, he's going to make us sing. No, no, no. I'm pointing all this out because we're going to dive into a song this morning. We're going to dive into a song that the, uh, that the Israelites are singing. Moses leads it and, and they sing together in Exodus 15. So if you've got a Bible, um, why don't you turn to Exodus 15. If you don't have a Bible um, because you don't own one, why don't you put your hand up? Someone can bring you a Bible. If you just haven't brought your Bible this week, pop your hand up. Someone can bring you one. And you can have this in front of you all morning. And, uh, and just to check that what I'm saying, I'm not making it up or anything like that. This is what, what God has said. Um, and so we are in Exodus 15. And so far in the Exodus story, as a church, we're going through the Exodus story. We're about halfway through. About halfway through the story, Israel have now come out of Egypt. So the, the narrative of Exodus is out of and into so they've come out of Egypt, and now is the turning point where they're starting to go into something. Um, and we'll, we'll look at what that is uh, in the coming weeks, obviously. Uh, I don't want to, no spoilers. Um, so at the moment, they have just crossed the Red Sea. They haven't been able to sing to God and thank him yet, even through the plagues, because there is now distance. There's distance between Pharaoh and themselves. There's a massive great sea in between those two. They are now officially free, officially free from slavery and Pharaoh. And this is where we catch up in the story. So we join the story moments after the Red Sea has happened. And this is what Moses and the Israelites sing, I need to get my Bible out of my bag. Whoops. He says, get your Bible, and he doesn't get his own Bible. Right, so I'm going to read Exodus 15. I'm going to be starting in chapter 15, verse... Wrong end, wrong end. Uh, 15, verse 1. I will sing... Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted... Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. So this is the start of their song. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. 
the Lord is a warrior, and the Lord, so we look back in Exodus 3, Lord, capital letters, is Yahweh, he's using Yahweh there, the Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his armies he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They have sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who oppose you, you unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall, and deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, that's Pharaoh. Pharaoh boasted, I will pursue you. I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them, and I will draw my sword, and my hand will destroy them. This is what God does. But you blew with your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. You stretch out your right hand and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia and the chiefs, uh, and, and the chiefs of Edom will be terrified and the leaders of Moab will be seized and trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them. By the power of your arm, they will will be as still as stone until your people pass by, Lord, until the people you brought pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, the place, the Lord, the place, Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. The Lord reigns forever and ever. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters back over them, but the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam and the prophet Aaron's sister took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women followed her with tambourines and dancing. Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord. She's repeating what Moses said at the start. Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and rider he has hurled into the sea. Then we get back into the narrative of what's going on. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them, and he put them to the test. He said, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, You will pay attention to his commands and keep his decrees. I will not bring any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elim, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. So, Exodus 15, long, I know, but... uh, 
Exodus 15 is the Jews' Exodus song. This is their song, their, their Exodus song. So if you were a Christian this morning, you have an Exodus song. You too, this morning, have an Exodus song. You have, they, the Israelites, they were saved from slavery um, with, with Pharaoh, and you have been saved from slavery in, in, our, in our sin. So their Exodus song models, models our Exodus song. So what does, what does Moses and Miriam's song teach us about our song worship? Where does um, this song, what does this song teach us about our singing on a, on a Sunday? What does this, this song teach us about our day-to-day worship, the rhythm of, of our lives? Well, let's see first. Their Exodus song and our Exodus song is all about God. It's all about his story. If you look at it throughout, throughout, they're just retelling the story of what God has just done in taking them through the Red Sea. Verse 1, both horse and rider he hurls into the sea. Moses begins and continues by recounting the story of Israel's rescue from Egypt. And you know what? It's the same for us. It's the same in our, in our lives. Worship is often a response and a retelling of the story of what God has done saving us. He has saved us. And this theme, you, you can, this isn't just, just in this song. right? You see this theme throughout um, Throughout the Bible, you see it with Deborah in Judges. But in, in Psalm 77, you also see this. Psalm 77, they are recalling and they're singing about this very event again in, in that psalm. Why is that? Because through that psalm, what we do, if, we were to, if you were to read Psalm 77, you would see it flow where they're remembering the reality of God's salvation. They're retelling that story because, they are, they're, they're, because they've previously just spoken about how their life is in turmoil and, and struggle and difficulty. And so it's the same for us. When we sing songs, we sang this morning, How Marvelous. We, we speak about God's salvation on our lives and one day we'll be ransomed in glory. We sing songs like King of Kings. In the darkness we were waiting without hope, without light. What we're doing in those songs, and we're singing on a Sunday, is we are reminding ourselves, we are remembering, oh, no, it's God's salvation in my life. It's God's story in our, in our lives. It's God's salvation story at work in me and in you. So as a result of, of singing those, those points, as we sing and we remind ourselves that our situation, so we, when we're reminding ourselves of that in, within our situation, um, we, are, we are placing our situation that we face alongside the objective truth of God's salvation on our lives. So we're, we're putting them together. And so in simpler terms, when we sing songs like we sang this morning and like King of Kings or whatever it is, that tell a story, that tell the story of our salvation um, we, we are reminding ourselves of our salvation in our tricky situations, in the tricky circumstances. So we're reminding ourselves, no, I can still sing that God is good even if my situation is not because God's salvation story is good. Moses and the psalmist and Miriam and those throughout the Bible 
praised God for what God had done. It wasn't a story time. It wasn't just to make them feel happy and jolly, but it was to remind the people of God of his goodness, of God's goodness in their story so far. The nature of, of a worship leader in, uh, in Grace Church is, is not to entertain you. Kim and Simo and Eilis, whoever it is up here leading you in worship, they are not here to entertain you, I'm afraid. You'll be bitterly disappointed, I'm sure. All right? They're not entertaining you with nice songs. They're not getting you to feel some emotion as, as they sing or as, as Nathan plays on the, on the keys. No, Simo and Co and uh, Kim and Eilis, they're, they're doing what Miriam does. Miriam in verse 21, she, she's just repeating again what Moses has already said. Again and again, we are repeating the story. We're reminding ourselves of God's story in our life so far as we plod, as we do the Christian plod through life. They're saying, oh, let's sing to remind ourselves of his story. Let's sing about how God has brought us this far and that he's not going to stop now. They're saying, let's sing to remind ourselves of our salvation story. They help us sing through his story. So like Moses, we sing God's story, we sing his story, but we also sing about the songwriter. Verse 6, uh, sorry, verse 10 to 11. But, he blew your, but you blew your breath and the sea covered. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. So that's the story bit. And then... Who among the gods is like you? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. Interestingly, what God has done, so as we sing the story, it shows who God is. So Moses, he, Moses found it impossible to sing the story, sing about what God has done, without listing some of the things that make God so great, that make God who he is, that talk about his characteristics. He praises God for his eternity in verse 18. He used the word Yahweh. We, we look back at Exodus 3, like I said earlier, where God it just reveals, I am who I am. Shows his, it's a reminder to Moses of God's self-existence, his eternal nature, his unchangingness. In verse 16, Moses sings of his power. In verse 8, he sings of God's um, omnipotence. He, in verse 11, he praises God for his supremacy. He praises God for his holiness in verse 13. He praises God for his love. He praises God for his wrath. He praises God for his justice. We sing to remind ourselves about the character of God. That's why we do it. But why? Why, why do our, our exodus, why is our exodus song, uh, or the songs we sing on a Sunday, why do we talk about God's greatness and his power and his splendor? Well, in verse 11, we get a conclusion. Who among the gods is like you? The reason the Israelites sang is because it's answering an important question that, that has been raging since about chapter 5, what kind of saviour do you really need? What kind of king do you really need? Because it's not Pharaoh. Whether we're aware of it or not, our world, our culture, all around us, we are crying out that question, whether we know it or not. 
What kind of king, what kind of leader, what kind of friend, what kind of saviour, what kind of hope do people need and want? And without a doubt, the kind that Moses is describing here. Imagine a world leader or a king or a friend who is like this, who, who will always be for you and with you through anything. Imagine one who works for our good, whether we're aware of it or not, working for our good. One who doesn't make mistakes, who, who isn't all about cancelling people and cancel culture, who is holy yet humble, who is full of wrath but yet so full of love and so patient, who has power yet is gentle, who sees injustice in the world and acts justly in the perfect timing that we can never fathom. Imagine a world leader. Imagine a king. Imagine a God like that. And this is the one that Moses' song is all about. And it's all the way through the Bible. It's the same narrative. It's the same God we see through the Bible. The God of Moses is everything that anyone could ever need and ever want in a, in a saviour. And so we sing stories about him because it reveals his character. It reveals the king that we are all crying out for and that we all need. So we sing stories, we sing of his character, but we also sing free. We sing freely. Do you you know who loves to sing freely? Do you know who loves singing? Kids do. Kids do. Kids are utterly annoying when they love to sing so freely. Children can often sing so freely that my daughter Zipporah just does it, right? She's always singing. Uh, if it's not her, it'll be Nella. If it's not Nella, it'll be Zip Mimi. It's like ever, never ending. Um, Zippy, though, particularly, she, when she's just in the house on her own with just Kim and I or, and her sisters, she just sings. And she doesn't, she doesn't care. She doesn't care if she's singing well. She doesn't care if it makes any sense. She'll be like upside down on the sofa watching telly, just singing about being upside down watching sofa on the telly. No, that's not, not watching sofa on the telly, watching telly on the sofa. So she'll be like singing, I'm sitting upside down on the sofa watching telly. And then she'll repeat it. And, and, then, and then it'll be do da da da. And it just doesn't make any sense. Where she's going, she sings because there is freedom. There's freedom that children have when they sing. And Moses understood and sings about the freedom that those in God have. And I just want to point out an interesting verse, verse 12. You wouldn't expect verse 12 to be about freedom. You stretch out your right hand and shatter the enemies. You shatter the enemies. Uh, at first reading, that doesn't sound very freeing. That doesn't sound freeing at all. But let me just clarify. Because the Lord shatters our enemies, that means it frees us to not have enemies. We have, as Christians, we, we have no need for enemies. There's no need for an enemy. That means instead of being restricted by difficult relationships that we have with other people, instead we can be agents of reconciliation. We can bring restoration where it is is needed. If you're a Christian this morning, your enemy is no longer that annoying neighbor who parks in your parking space. 
Yet you have no enemy at work who is a colleague and they drive you bananas. Ephesians 6.12 Our struggle is not, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Because God has freed us from our enemies. Because we sing freely in our lives, yeah, that means we have been set free to turn the other cheek. That means that we have been set free from the need to contribute to the staff gossip. Yeah, it, it frees us from the need to, it frees us to be able to show kindness to that neighbor who parks in our parking space. Yeah, it, it frees us, it means that we're free to forgive ridiculously quickly. And it's not because we're just nice people, no, no, it's because God deals with it. God deals with our enemies. God frees us from our enemies. The cross is the place where it's all dealt with. And that's so freeing for us. It means that we're free to show hospitality and love much. If you're a Christian, you've been set free to do all that. And that's what our Exodus song looks like. It's what our Exodus song sounds like in the rhythm of our, in the rhythm of our, of our lives. Because the Lord shatters our enemies. How freeing. In the walk of our lives, we can sing freely. But we can also sing looking forward. We sing looking forward. If you look at verse 14 through to 18... The people have heard they tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fell upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are as still as stone. When we're reading the Bible with our imagination, what I don't mean is like make it up, but when we try to smell and try to see and taste and feel the weight of what is happening in the words we're reading, it just gives us such a grander picture of what, what we have to look forward to. So, and that's what's happening here. The most powerful empire the human race has ever seen up to this point has been completely destroyed. It's not been destroyed by another great nation coming in and taking over, which we would expect. It's not even a revolt. No, it's natural disaster after natural disaster after natural disaster after natural disaster, and then they're just engulfed in the sea. Let me tell you, the whole world, the whole of the world would know this within moments. Not because they had Instagram or Facebook, but, um, but because they would have been under the tyranny of Egypt at that time. They were free too. Right? They would be subject to Egypt very much so. If it was now, it would be trending on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. It'd be like, hashtag Egypt's fallen. Hashtag Egypt, where are your gods now? Or like, hashtag Israel's gods better than Pharaoh. I think the most interesting hashtag would have been leave Israel alone. Hashtag leave Israel alone. This part of the song paints this very picture of people who have heard about this event. These people are so, the Moab, the Moabites uh, and the Canaanites, they're, they're all like the other world, um, the, the other nations at the time, the great powers at the time saw this and they're like, whoa, let's, let's leave Israel alone. Let's, let's, not be, let's not be going there. If we were to, and they're so scared that, that it's, it's metaphor in the song, but it's, they are so scared they can't even move. They can't, they're just, that's, like, that's what they're like. 
And if you were to, to read on in the Bible, you would notice that this, this point in the song that it's talking about, it gets fulfilled later on in, in the book of Joshua. And in our own Exodus song, we're reminding ourselves that we look forward. We look forward to 10,000, 100,000, a million thousand, whatever it is, years from now. That's what we're looking forward to. Think of it this way. What do I have to fear in this life that in 10,000 years from now would cause me any anxiety? I, I could die. I could. I could get really sick. I, someone else close to me could get really sick. I could become totally skinned. That could, that could happen. But what if? What if I'm looking back 10,000 years from now? Because that's my future hope. If I'm a Christian, that's my future hope. 10,000 years and more. I'm looking forward to. I don't think that in 10,000 years from now, when I have been in glorious paradise and union with Christ in its fullness for 999,000 of those years, I'm going to be looking back going, really, God? Really, can I just have a little bit more money? Could I have a few more years? I don't, I don't think that that would be the case. If, if that's our understanding of what the gospel does in our life, can I be totally skin, like skint skin, and still sing that God is good? Can I experience painful and personal loss and still sing that God is good? Yes, I can, because what can happen to me if my future is secure? If in 10,000 years' time from now, I'm more secure than I have ever been. If in 10,000 years' time, I'm enjoying eternity with Christ. And I just want to make it really clear that I am not downplaying the pain. Right? If I lost Kim, right? Kim's my wife. If I lost Kim, I would be flat on the floor. I would need a heck of a lot of therapy to get me through it, right? It's, it, it would be painful. It would be full of pain. And, and I don't also pretend to understand. I don't pretend to understand. How, how can I know fullness of joy and, and there be so much pain in my life at the same time? I don't, I don't pretend to understand that either. Even if we were to study God's word for billions and billions of hours, that mystery would, be, would remain. But studying it, we would see, can he be trusted? Yeah, yeah, he can be trusted. Is, is he good? Yeah, he is good. Will there be confusing and painful and difficult moments and difficult and painful seasons? Absolutely. But he is good. And he does good. Being an Exodus people that we are, being Christians, we have an Exodus song which looks forward. We have, keep our gaze forward. We sing forward. But we can't ignore. It would be silly to ignore that there is zero bitterness in this life. There is bitterness. Bitterness found as we, as we sing on a Sunday morning, as we journey through the rhythms of life. There is bitterness. So we sing alongside bitterness. We sing alongside bitterness. Notice what happens in Exodus after, after the song dies down. So after the song has finished, the sound has faded away, everyone who's been singing 
with their tambourine, Miriam and co, they've gone and put their tambourines back in their cases. They've all gone to bed. They wake up in the morning from their tents, and then they head off. After singing that, God will bring them victory. They're looking forward to what God's got for them. Singing his story, verse um, 22 to 25. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea. They came to Marah, which means bitter. And they could not drink its water because it was bitter. So the people grumbled, saying, what are we to drink? These people went from epic praise party, like Simo's birthday party epic, to to moaning. Completely moaning in three days. Three days. They've gone through the Red Sea, being able to touch it or not touch it, whatever one you chose to do last week. Um, As they go through the Red Sea, been celebrating, and they don't even make Wednesday. They don't even make it to Wednesday before they just feel bitter. After three days, they're they're saying, I thought you were going to provide for me, God. I thought that you were going to help me. I thought that you weren't going to abandon us. I thought you were for me. I thought I had a future victory. And that might be what we feel like, because bitterness comes. When we read how God brought them out of Egypt, and then three days they're moaning and they're complaining, we can think, that's ridiculous. That's, in some ways, that's really inexcusable. Have you not seen what, what God has done? And if you think for your own life, how much do you relate to the Israelites? How much do we relate to that? Perhaps you, you sang this morning, of, oh God, you're unfailing love. Just singing of his unfailing love, and then three days later, let's be honest, three hours later, um, you're, we're grumbling. Grumbling about how church is run, or grumbling about work, or grumbling about our kids, or our finances, or our tiredness. Oh, if, if you loved me, God, you would have let me sleep in a bit. Oh, think how easy, how easy it is that we just lose the perspective. We become bitter in some way. And how does God treat the grumbling? Verse 24 to 25. And Moses cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log. And he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. And then the Lord made a, a statute and a rule. And there he tested them. In the midst of their grumbling, in the midst of their complaining, God gives them drinkable water alongside a promise. He gives them drinkable water alongside the promise. In this act of grace... Have you not seen what I've already done? I've brought you through a, a sea. Like, how can you not? No, 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 no. Get that log, throw it in the water, it'll become sweet. There you go. Just such grace. In his act of grace, God demonstrates his heart is not fickle when ours is. The story is a promise that if we trust God, we will find that he is the God who heals. Verse 26, he is the God who heals. As, just as he heals the bitter water that is found in verse 22. And maybe you feel like you, you can't help it, but you just question and you just complain or moan and, uh, about where God is because your life is like Israel's. Your life just feels so bitter. In that, the start of that, in verse 22, when they came to Marah. Marah literally means my life is bitter. That's what it means. And they could not drink its water because it was bitter. Everywhere is bitter. Everywhere. Everywhere is bitter. And maybe you, yeah, you are in a, you're in your own marrow. You're in your own life of bitterness. It's just, this is just so 
hard. And it's just so difficult. And you're thinking, how am I supposed to keep praising God for three, th- three days, three hours, three seconds, whatever it is? How am I supposed to keep my eyes on, on him? If that's you, be encouraged. Look at what God does. The wood turned the water from bitter to sweet. The wood. It's the wood that turns the water from bitter to sweet. God does that. And for us, we can be encouraged because on a wooden cross, God himself drank the bitterness of this world. God himself took all the bitter pain. He took all the bitter grief. He took all the bitter loneliness. He took all the bitter anxiety. He took all the bitter hurt, all the bitter sin, all the bitterness of death. Why? So that we could receive the sweetness of his grace. That we could receive the sweetness of his grace and the comfort of his Holy Spirit. He drank our bitterness and yet he offers us the abundant of never-ending water of grace and mercy and kindness and goodness that we could never earn and that we could never deserve. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. The band are going to come up, but I want to finish with this. How can this knowledge comfort me in my current bitterness? How is this good? Because one day, one day there will be unadulterated praise where bitterness and where grief and where sorrow will be no more. And we will sing as the Israelites did in Exodus 15. We will sing like they did in Exodus 15 because we will join the song of Revelation 15. This time we'll be singing with Moses and co. But this time we'll be on a different shore. And we'll, we'll, it'll be a new Exodus Song. Hear this in Revelation 15, verse 2 to 4. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass. It's no longer tossing and turning like the Red Seas. It's no longer full of grief and anguish, glowing with fire, standing beside the sea on a new shore is where we are. Those who have been victorious over the beast, which are work done through Christ and its image and over the number of its name. They held harps given to them, so no more tambourines, but harps. And they sang, this is what song they sang. They sang the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb. That is Christ. This is our new song, and the same song. And it's our song. Great and marvelous are your deeds, King Jesus. Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, King of the nations, who will not Fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name, for you alone are holy. All the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Every time we sing songs in our houses, in our cars, on a Sunday, at a prayer meeting, in our life group, as, as we just worship God through the rhythm of our, of our life, we are reminding ourselves of our Exodus song. We, we sing his Story, get that list up again. That all right? We sing his story. It was always his story that we sing. We must never forget that God's hand is in everything. We sing about the songwriter, Jesus Himself, God Himself, who made a way for us to be able to relate with God. We sing with freedom with assurance and with hope because the cross, the cross is our stake in the ground, where life 
is tough and when life is painful. We sing about our future victory that we look forward to when bitterness and pain will be no more and King Jesus will bring us home because Christ is our song. Christ is our victory. He will always be our song. And as Moses says in verse 18, the Lord, King Jesus, will reign forever and ever. Amen. So let's, let's stand. Our response this morning is simple. We're going to sing. If you're youth and you've just come back in and you're like, what's going on? We're going to sing. Join us. We're going we're gonna to sing because we're going to thank God for what he has done. We're going to thank God for who he is. We're going to thank God for his salvation. We're going to remember who he is. And it might be the first time that you're like, I actually want to join in this song. I want to join in singing. Sing this song together. Let's sing and worship Jesus. Let's fix our eyes on him. On the wooden cross.